Are you looking for a new job? Are you hiring but struggling to diversify your candidate pool? Then come check out our job board at revisionpath.com forward slash jobs. This week, jstore.org is looking for a senior brand designer in either New York City or Ann Arbor, Michigan. The Union of Concerned Scientists is looking for a multimedia producer in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And Gettysburg College in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania is looking for a director of communications and content strategy to join their agile communications and marketing team and take the college's digital and print communications to the next level. Companies, stop making excuses on your DNI efforts and post your job listing with us. For just $99, your job listing will be on our job board for 30 days, and we'll spread the word for you through our podcast. Get started with us and expand your job search today. Revisionpath.com forward slash jobs. You're listening to the Revision Path Podcast, a weekly showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. Through in-depth interviews, you'll learn about their work, their goals, and what inspires them as creative individuals. Here's your host, Maurice Cherry. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Revision Path. My name is Maurice Cherry. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. Now, before we get started with things, I've got some news to share. First up, 28 Days of the Web is back for 2020. So every year, 28 Days of the Web honors a different black designer or developer, both in honor of and in conjunction with Black History Month. You can follow along at 28daysoftheweb.com, or you can follow the project on Twitter at 28daysoftheweb, just all one word. We'll also be doing some posts on our Instagram, uh, which is just at RevisionPath, so you'll be able to follow along and see all of this year's honorees. I'm really excited about it. Also, we're having our first live show of 2020 in Los Angeles. Come out to Revision Path Live in L.A. on February 10th at 7 p.m. at the Umoja Center in Lamert Park. I'll be interviewing renowned black architect Roland A. Wiley as part of AIGA Los Angeles' L.A. River series. Now, we'll talk about L.A. architecture, L.A. neighborhoods, and the current changes happening in our communities of color. Tickets are on sale now, starting at just $5. You can check out the show notes for the ticket link or go to losangeles.aiga.org for more information. Now let's talk about our sponsors, Facebook Design and Abstract. Facebook Design is a proud sponsor of Revision Path. To learn more about how the Facebook Design community is designing for human needs at unprecedented scale, please visit facebook.design. This episode is also brought to you by Abstract, design workflow management for modern design teams. Spend less time searching for design files and tracking down feedback, and spend more time focusing on innovation and collaboration. Like a glitch, but for designers, Abstract is your team's version control source of truth for design work. With Abstract, you can version sketch design files, present work, request reviews, collect feedback, and give developers direct access to all specs all from one place. Sign your team up for a free 14-day trial today by heading over to www.abstract.com. Now for this week's interview. I'm talking with animator Joshua Leonard, the creator of Team Supreme. Let's start the show. All right. Tell us who you are and what you do. Yeah, my name is Joshua Leonard, and I'm a 2D animator 
and a character designer, and I'm the creator of Team Supreme, which is a, an animated series in the works right now. All right. We'll definitely get into talking more about Team Supreme. What's your kind of average day-to-day work like right now? Well, I wake up first thing first, go to the gym, you know, work out for about an hour, come home, do some character design work. I do freelance for Nickelodeon right now. Really just working on Team Supreme. That's that's really it. And my, uh, the Joshua Leonard Foundation, we're getting that up and running. So I just try to stay as productive as I possibly can okay. until everything starts to kind of really take off. So with the, the freelance character design stuff for Nickelodeon, can you talk just a little bit about that? Like what you're doing with that? I can't give the name of the show or anything like that. But so basically I graduated from the Art Institute 2018, summer of 2018. And I posted something on LinkedIn. I think it was an artwork and it went viral. And one of the recruiters from, from Nickelodeon hit me up as I was walking in the Home Depot and where I work and offered me a, uh, a freelance position on an upcoming show. So I took that and it's been it's been a blessing ever since, man. So I really just whenever they need character designs and stuff, they kind of just reach out. So it's not like a guarantee. But when it's here, it's great. You know, so I'm real grateful for it. And that came just from a LinkedIn post? LinkedIn, man. Yeah, I love LinkedIn. Social media in general is, is great for me. As long as you run it as a business and professional, I think I think it's the way to go. Okay. So with, with Nickelodeon kind of just contacting you when they need you, I'm, I'm pretty sure, because I'm curious about this too, like, what does character design look like for a studio like that? Like, talk to me about the workflow. Like, what does that look like? Absolutely. One thing that I do like about Nickelodeon, and I appreciate them coming to me, they like my art style. And specifically for the show that I'm working on, there are some some African-American cartoon characters. So that's one thing that kind of makes me stand out, especially on LinkedIn. A lot of my uh, my followers and, and connections on LinkedIn like my, my art style. So that's what Nickelodeon was looking forward to. And also Disney. So it's, it's pretty it's pretty dope how they, they look for a specific style that will fit their certain cartoons. Because a lot of these shows look the same. A lot of these shows use the same character designers. So I guess sometimes you got to go out of the box and get different looks and, and styles. But what they do, they gave me like a real flat image, real bland, real simple, almost like a uh, like a children's book. So the artwork was real simple. So they asked me to put my style on this this style that was already uh, in use in the book. And that's what I did. Kind of just really hooked it up in my style. And they loved it. Man. And when I went out there to Nickelodeon, and when they took me on the tour and all of that, because I'm in Atlanta, and you know Nickelodeon is way out there in uh, Burbank. When I got out there, I was I was expecting like to see my artwork on the wall. With, I would joke around with the whole you know team and just kind of laugh about how my artwork's probably gonna be on the wall with red X's crossed through it. And but they actually showed me a clip of the cartoon that they're working on and developing, animated and everything. And it was my character, so it was so dope to see my actual character designs come to life like that. And it was in 3D too, so I was like, man, you gotta be kidding me. This is fire. <laughs> So to see that, man, and, you know, like I said, I just graduated in 2018, and it's, it's just been a, a super dope ride, man, so far. So I'm real grateful for that. Wow. So that's interesting that they start off with something simple, and then I guess you just have to redraw what they have, or are you putting your own particular, like, styles and no. things onto the images? No. So what it is, when I say I'm drawing, like, say their character has a beard, you know, he's kind of buff 
and he's wearing this outfit. That's what I'm talking about. Now I can draw whatever I want, as long as it has the beard, this outfit. You know, as long as they know it's going to be this character, I can do whatever I want with it. So I'll put them in a different pose. And, you know, sometimes they may want a character turnaround mm-hmm. where you got to draw the front side, three quarter back. So it just depends. I've done a bunch of facial, different facial expressions and stuff like that. So it's fun, man. I love it. Yeah. So it sounds like it, it just varies pretty much based on what, yeah. what they have, what they need to get done. Right. Let's switch gears here, you know, just a little bit. I do, again, want to go into talking about team supreme and especially about the joshua leonard foundation i'm curious to hear about that we'll talk about that later but tell me about where you grew up i'm actually a military brat so i was born in miami and we left miami after hurricane andrew went to alaska so i lived in anchorage for a little bit then we moved to uh, maryland so i was in pg county for a little bit then we went to biloxi mississippi where hurricane katrina hit so i got evacuated to atlanta so i kind of grew up everywhere but born in miami Okay. But uh, yeah, so now I reside in in Atlanta until I have to go to LA to really start production on the show. So when did you move from Miami? Oh man, mm. Hurricane Andrew was like what ninety? I think it was was that ninety two. Mm, ninety two. I think it was ninety two. I'm not quite sure. I don't really remember. I was a lot younger at the time, but I just remember riots. There was a lot of riots out there at the time. Yeah, it was, it was rough. It was rough at the time in Miami. With all of this, like, moving around because you're, like I say, a military brat, moving from city to city like this, was creativity something that was, like, a part of your childhood during this process? Yeah, definitely. So I'm the baby out of two more older brothers. And uh, one of my older brothers, he taught me how to draw Garfield when I was really young. I think I was in kindergarten. And I've always, once I learned how to draw Garfield, I just never stopped. Never stop. Always was drawing in class, getting in trouble drawing, and even moving around a lot. I just, I never stopped. You know, I was real good at sports. I got recruited in D1 football, track scholarships, played baseball, basketball, but I never stopped drawing. I always had that kind of that, that thing to fall back on. Even though as a kid, I knew I would be an artist, but I thought I was going to be a professional athlete, which I okay. could have blew, blew my knee out. So oh. everything happens for a reason. I'm grateful for that. I'm doing what I'm supposed to. I'm put here to make this cartoon and, and change these lives. So I'm real. I'm thankful for that. What were some of your like favorite animated shows and movies and stuff growing up? So I came from a strict background, obviously uh, military, but mother was real religious. So I wasn't allowed to watch a lot of crazy stuff. So I grew up on like Looney Tunes, you know, Chuck Jones, some Disney, some Nickelodeon. I watched Doug, you know, I was a big mm. Doug. Doug fan, but mainly Looney Tunes, man. I love Chuck Jones. I love the style that they put in into the Looney Tune characters. And that's kind of what made me fall in love with animation, like the frame by frame animation. Cause I'm a traditional animator. You know, I do the frame by frame stuff, which takes forever, but it's, it looks the most beautiful, you know? So when you say frame by frame, what do you mean? That is drawing every single frame. Like if you pause a, a film and it's just step, by step by step by step that means every single drawing so if i'm drawing somebody waving i have to draw every single drawing right now you're seeing a lot of puppet animation on tv where they can just move the hand and then do this and it it doesn't look as good Hmm. you know you can tell with shows are kind of puppet animation because they they're real stiff when they move and then you can also tell when disney does their frame by frame animation you know cinderella and all that stuff aladdin that's all frame by frame it's beautiful to look at 
is the switch from like frame by frame to puppet is that just how the industry is going or is that because of technology yeah it's both it's both so you okay. have studios that is cheaper you know doing puppet animation because what you're doing is this it's basically 3d you know except you're doing a 2d character so you have a uh that's why i would come in at i would design a character flat 2d character and then somebody else would come in and rig it and rigging is adding like the bone structure inside of this that way they can move the puppet you can grab this little elbow right here and make him raise his arm or make her wave or whatever it's gonna be but yeah that's why it's a lot easier than drawing every single picture you just draw one character and you just move them around like a puppet mm -hmm. but i like old school frame by frame i really when i was growing up i really like i like looney tunes i really like tex avery like Texas like, go too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the yeah. Savory cartoons, the the wolf and like yeah. droopy dog and stuff. I yeah, love yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah. They they had the good punchlines and yeah, they were definitely ahead of their time. You know, Tom and Jerry, all of that stuff was, was really dope to me. So So because of that, I'm curious, like how did that play a role in the development of your style of animation? You said it's frame by frame, but like did you get other influences from those those series? I mean, frame by frame animation is frame by frame animation. It it really, like, if you have to draw every single movement, it's you getting you grabbing from everywhere, you know. But definitely, Chuck Jones, Disney, obviously, Aflacia Brothers, Tex Avery. So yeah, I studied all of that stuff, man. And there's so many more. Aaron Blaze, who's a real though, he did a lot of stuff. He he, uh, I think he did the character design for the the Beast in Beauty and Beast, and animated the Beast. So. A lot of other animals that I study, the cartoons that I watch, learn from. But yeah, definitely. So your brother teaches you how to draw Garfield, right? So he he, he shows you this one character. When did you, I guess, first know that like you were good at art, like period? Like when did you first know like, oh wait, I could do this and not just this one thing that my brother taught me? I think that's about when, because I was real young. I mean, you're talking about kindergarten, so I'm. I don't know how. I don't know if I was five or six, I don't remember how young I was but once I drew that I mean it was just a straight headshot of Garfield and it was easy to do so ever since then I've always taken an art class or some type of anything dealing with art I was taking it but you know elementary school middle school high school always took an art class and always aced the art classes so you're in Miami you're moving again between all these different cities you've got this this passion for art and animation, when did you, I guess, really decide you would pursue it? Because yeah. if you mentioned earlier that you wanted to be an athlete, you right. got drafted D1, like, where was the split there between athletics and animation? Absolutely. So, I, like I said, I was always, I come from an athletic background. And so I think around probably high school, maybe ninth, 10th grade, I was getting a lot better at art. I was still trash, but I... <laughs> I got a lot better, but I was still an athlete and I was still getting recruited and all of that. But it was a fallback thing. I knew I would go pro or do something like that. But at the same time, I, even me being pro, I was going to still open up an animation studio or something like that. Probably high school is where I was like, all right, I can, I can definitely learn a little bit more. But also living in Biloxi, Mississippi, there's not much to do out there. They got the military base. I actually mm -hmm. started off as a graphic designer because there's no animation in Mississippi. So that was kind of a hinder for me, and I didn't like that, but I do love graphic design as well. Not as much as animation, obviously, but I, I do 
I still love fonts and character fonts and all of that type of stuff. And, um, you know, motion graphics and regular graphics. But when I came to Atlanta, that's when it really got like, okay, this is why I'm here. This is what, this is what it's, what it's going to be. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. And you said that happened as a consequence of Hurricane Katrina. Right. So what happened was uh, 2005, I think, Hurricane Katrina came. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2005. So I got evacuated here. My daughter was also born during Hurricane Katrina. So Katrina hit wow. August 29th. My daughter was born September 6th. So wow. I was homeless. Yeah, I lived right on the beach. I was going to William Carey College in Biloxi, uh, Gulfport. And uh, when I came back, it was nothing there, man. It was a slab. and <laughs> It was crazy, man. All those big mansions on the water, they were gone. They were gone. They had these big old 20-foot deep holes and, I mean, crazy, crazy. Look like the end of the world. But like I said, everything happened for a reason. So uh, as bad as it was, I'm grateful for it. I mean, it was bad, like a movie almost. You know, you couldn't get water. Uh, you can only pump a certain amount of gas. I mean, it was a lot of people going crazy out there. But you know, you're talking about bathing in the same bath water as everybody else in that house, which, I mean, it was, it was, it was rough, man. Definitely. Wow. But... So I got evacuated to Atlanta. Daughter was born. And I kind of just followed her and her mother back to uh, Biloxi to kind of help them out. And now she's here. So I came back. Mm-hmm. And I've been here since 2014. Been the best, best thing ever. Ever since I moved to Atlanta in 2014, Atlanta been so good to me. It's been, it's been really, really a great uh, move for me. Oh, that's good. That's good. So before that move, though, like between... You sort of get into Atlanta, had your daughter, then you said you went back to Biloxi. Were you still working on animation during that time there, or were you just focused on getting back to Atlanta? No, at that time, I was just, I think I was just working. Yeah. So I started working at Home Depot. Yeah, the animation really started when I was in Atlanta. Like, that's when, when I came, when I got evacuated here, I started to go to the Art Institute to see if I can get in. I didn't get in in 2005 during Hurricane Katrina. But I was just glad because I had too much debt. That's the reason why I had too much debt at the time. But just to, when I came to Atlanta to know they had SCAD out here and Art Institute and all these animation studios, I was like, man, this is perfect. <laughs> so I said, man, I'm going to do what I love to do. And that way I don't ever have to retire. And, and that's why, that's why I, I, I stayed with it. And, you know, I don't have to get I don't have to tackle these big old 230 pound running backs anymore and, and get hit by <laughs> big linebackers anymore. I can stay healthy and, and just draw, man. So, yeah. What was your time like at the Art Institute of Atlanta? It was good for me. It was good for me. And, and a lot of people, they have different, you know, you, you read a lot of bad stuff and you read some good stuff. I think it depends on the person. I remember, man, when I went 2014, shout out to Mr. Mavet, who was my president of that school. At the time, um, he told me, he kind of pulled me to the side because I was on president's list the whole four years I was there. I graduated with a 4.0, top of the class. I was a commencement speaker. Me and Rep. John Lewis, mm. he spoke. and But I remember Mr. Mavet kind of pulled me to the side. He's like, man, look, this school, you have to brand yourself. That's what this school is, is good for. You know, you got to brand yourself. But I took that to heart, and that's what I did. I remember I would go to class with, like, sweatpants on and an Under Armour shirt. I sat in the front, right up front, passed everything, straight A's. And uh, the more I did it, every quarter, the teachers were like, okay, this dude, he's, uh, I got the tight shirts on with the muscles. Okay, get straight A's. He's not playing around. Yeah. And uh, I kind of let my teachers know I was one of the oldest ones in there anyway. And I remember talking to the kind of my younger peers, like, 
who aren't really getting that work done. I'm like, man, you don't even have to work after this. You just go home and play video games. Why, why aren't these projects done? I got to go home. Uh, I mean, I get off out of class and I work full time jobs. I get off at three in the morning mm-hmm. and then I have all my stuff done and everything like that. So I'm trying to tell them like, man, this school costs way too much money for y'all to be playing around. So I kind of went in there with the mindset. I'm about to kill all the competition I can up here while I'm here. And everybody will know that I went to this school and that I, uh, that I did well at this school. And I loved it, man. I would tell my teachers like, look, you might not be able to, tell this person that their work is trash, but you can tell me, you got to be honest with me. It's going to make me <laughs> harder, you know? So some kids didn't like that. You know, they were, teachers would get in trouble because they were too honest to the kids. Mm. I'm a hundred percent with that. Like you got to truth hurt, but you got to, if, if it's trash, just let me know. Yeah. And they would let me know, you know, I feel like this could be better. I feel okay. No problem. I'll go back and change it. Let's make it better. So once you graduated, like, do you feel like the Art Institute kind of prepared you for the anim- the animation industry? Like, did they sort of get you ready for the next step of life? Yeah, absolutely. Because even as a freshman, I was already doing work for big time animators in the, yeah, I wasn't getting paid, but I worked on a, a short film called Mila, which is not out yet. But what I did and people, especially younger kids, they, I guess they think I'm joking on I mean, LinkedIn and stuff like that, social media, all I simply did, I remember seeing a, a post on it on Twitter. It's a short film. Shout out to Chinzia. She's the one that's producing it and she worked on, uh, she worked at DreamWorks. So now she's over uh, Cinesite out there in Canada. So big time animator that kind of mentored me that I met on social media. And all I did was send a message. I said, hey, I'm a, I'm a freshman at the Art Institute. Here's, you know, I love to help out any way I can. Boom. Mm-hmm. And they wrote me back. Hey, OK, well, this is a uh, kind of a, uh, a free opportunity. We're not, you know, this is just people that want to help out. And so I'm like, yeah, man, absolutely. This is how I'm going to learn. These are industry people. And that's what I did. And it's been the best relationship even to this day. So matter of fact, if it wasn't for Chinzia, she's the one that helped me with my resume. And because I, I had, you know, my website was pure animation. She's like, nah, take that off. You're a character designer. That's what they're going to, you're going to be known as a character. That's what you're the best at. Take the animation off, do this stuff. Even though I got my, my animation one best to show and all of that, she's like, you're a character designer. Trust me, you're going to do this. And once I changed all this stuff, that's when Nickelodeon hit me up. So I was like, man, you got to be kidding me. Hmm. Super dope, man. But yeah, uh, I, I feel like the Art Institute really, really helped me out. Me specifically, like I said, the teachers were 100% honest with me. Yeah. You know, so that's what I was really grateful for. You have some teachers that say, man, you can't graduate from here and then get a character design job. I did. But I don't think I don't think he was talking to me specifically, because like I said, I went in there to, to kill all the competition. I wanted to really they, I wanted them to know who I was. Yeah. So I, any, anything I could do, I was asking questions, anything I can do. This is too much money. You know, you're spending all that money. You're going to you better get as much as you can out of it. Ask everything you can. Mm-hmm. learn as much as you can that's what i did but yeah they i felt like they really helped me out a lot and i mean it sounds like you had a mission though also going i did going yeah, into did. school you know i just I to kind of give you like just a little bit of background so i'm in atlanta too i don't know if i mentioned that or if i i said that earlier but no um, i didn't know that i've done some like advising at the art institute of atlanta Okay. And so, like, they have this thing called the, what's it called? The Professional Advancement Group or something like that. It's something where basically the faculty at the Art Institute of Atlanta, they talk to, 
like designers and folks in the industry that are in Atlanta and they mm-hmm. sort of like talk to them to get a sense of like, what are the things that we should be teaching students? Right. As you know, the industry is, is changing a lot. And so, and so yes. schools can often be very lax at keeping up with that. Right. Yep. And so like, they'll ask us, well, like, well, what are the things that you're looking for? Like when you're trying to hire, like what are the skills that you want to see? And like, if it's the web, of course, the big thing is like UX and product design or something like that. Sure. And like, there are people that come through that are traditional, like visual designers, graphic designers, and you know, the conversation tends to get more about, at least from what I've seen when I went to talk to them, the conversation ends up devolving into just like nostalgia about their time there. Or it's teachers complaining that the students don't have enough initiative to like do more things. And, so, and I'll tell this to students too. Like when you're putting your portfolio together, for example, depending on the position that you're looking for, you have to be able to tell a story. Like you have to be able to show your thoughts behind why you've done certain things, what the certain decisions are that you've made in, you know, in particular right. designs that you've done. Cause otherwise it's just a picture book. Exactly. And like anybody can take like, there's all kinds of mock-up things that you can get on the web for free or for cheap. And you can just throw your logo in there and it makes it look like you did a professionally shot yep. campaign or something. And that's not the case. Like right. what was the rationale behind it? Why did you make these decisions? Did you talk with the client? Did, did this serve the business goals? And I mean, that's of course, if that's what you want to do with design, but it's sort of boiled down to like making sure that students go into school having that initiative that they need to get something out of this experience other than just like a degree. And it sounds like for you, you went into it with a plan pretty much. Yeah. And I feel like that's, you had to, you had to, man. Cause I mean, that's the mentality I had. Like I want to learn as much as I can, you know, I'm spending this much money. I'm going to use every outlet I can. And I did work. I mean, this was as a freshman, man. I was doing work for NFL players, logos, anything that I could put on my resume as a freshman. You know, I had business cards already. I I wasn't playing around, man. I I really wanted to brand myself at the school. And then once the school started noticing, they they started getting behind me. Like, yeah, this, you know, interviews. I was getting interviews and they would put me on stuff. And I mean, just everything, plugging me in certain things. And it was really good for me, really good for me. So I'm real thankful for it. Nice. And so you're here in Atlanta. A lot of the big animation studios are out on the West Coast. You kind of alluded there a little bit about (laughs) having to move from Atlanta to Los Angeles. Is that happening in the near future? So here's here's what it's going to be. People that don't know, the animation industry is less than 3% black in it. You know, it's, it's really bad. The diverse It's getting better, you know, but it's still really bad. I have Leonard Studios here. I have an LLC right now. So after I go out to L.A. for Team Supreme and we start production, I got I might have to stay out there for like two, three years. I'm coming back to Atlanta. I'm building a, a studio out here. I'm doing my Tyler Perry thing out here. I want a big facility animation. St- I mean, a real one, real. That's where I'm going to be investing my money at. I'm already looking at buildings and land. And that was my thing. Like, and the crazy thing about Atlanta and L.A., L.A. shows me a lot of love. You know, as far as jobs and stuff like they like I said, Disney had me out there, gave me the tour. I was going to be a, a character designer for uh, Devil Dinosaur and Moon Girl on Marvel. Okay. But they went they went another direction, which is that's perfectly fine. I'm thankful that I got the opportunity to go out there. They gave me a tour. I got to meet everybody just for them to consider me. That's major. 
stuff like that. I did the Special Olympics. Special Olympics flew me out to to L.A. And I, I was in a, a high rise all the way at the top in a suite. And I did an interview live with all these celebrities. Uh, Kobe Bryant's sister was there with her daughter. I think she's a chef or something like that. But I mean, like L.A. shows me a lot of love. I can't get a job out in, in Atlanta at an animation studio. <laughs> really? <laughs> it's real. It's crazy, man. Wait, wait, wait. Let, let, let's, yeah. let's, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that, actually. because <laughs> So I've done, for folks that have listened to the show for a while, they know that <laughs> Well, one thing that I try to do is I always try to talk to folks here in the city because Atlanta is this weird outlier in the creative industry in that like for design and animation, certainly like there's something about Atlanta and the city and the culture that breeds this immense amount of creativity in a lot of different fields in music, right. art, yeah. fashion, yeah. film, TV, et cetera. And there's certain industries that have taken advantage of that, most notably probably television and yeah. film but then like design or or even like what you're talking about with animation it's still something where you have to go to like new york or yep. la or like somewhere else to like get the opportunities and they're not here which you would think atlanta has like cartoon network and adult swim like you would you think know. well i mean that's that's one company but I didn't know that it was that. Is it bad? Is it really bad down here for animation? Did you, did you know? A lot of people don't know this. There's over 90 animation studios in Georgia. Wow. In, in Atlanta. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Over 90 of them. Yep. And I'm, I'm a part of a, uh, a group called the C for South. So it's a lot of SCAD members. And that's the thing. I think that's why I don't really get looked at out here like that because I didn't go to SCAD. I almost did. Mm-hmm. I was like, art, art Institute, way cheaper. I'm about to go here instead. And, you know, we had SCADs, teachers and all that. I know everybody over there is SCAD. And, but yeah, and, and that's, it's crazy because you see a lot of SCAD people at these companies, Turner and Cartoon Network. And so I think it is, I'm still black for one. You mm-hmm. know, it is the animation industry. It's still going to be extremely hard for me to get in. I get that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I have no problem when somebody is better than me. You know, I I will hundred percent. You know what? You're right. That was the right move. You got a good dude right there. He's better yeah. as an artist, you know, but, Do you and that's think- how I have a chip on my shoulder right now. You know, oh. I feel, like, oh, absolutely. absolutely. And that's why I'm building this studio. Yeah. And that's where the, the whole Tyler Perry mentality came from. I'm like, you know what, man, if I can't get hired, these other companies just going to have to, we're going to have to battle. Yeah. We're going to have to battle. And my cartoons are going to be better. <laughs> That's what's kind of frustrating. I'm like, man, with Team Supreme, not one studio in Atlanta, I would be jumping on this. But you know what studios come? L.A., Canada, all the other ones. Yeah, it's big animation uh, in Canada through like Sheridan. Oh, Canada's huge. Absolutely. Yeah, they huge. And then Toon Boom is, uh, shout out to Toon Boom. They sponsor me, so Mm -hmm. I get software for them. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. Like Atlanta's been great to me. Don't get me wrong. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I'm real grateful for all my connects out here. Because I know a lot of people in the industry, especially the music industry, but the animation part of it is still kind of tricky, still kind of tricky. I'm like, man, look, I will be a janitor at Cartoon Network or Bento Box. Just get me in the door. You know, (laughs) I'll leave artwork all over the place. So they'll be like, man, who is this? You know, I'll make myself known, but you can't even get in. But then I got I know people that just graduated that got hired at bento box this year you know it's, it's like eh, it's kind of frustrating but at the same time i'm very patient i know i have a, a good brand on my hands so uh-huh. i just just stay with it man just stay with the uh do you think because like we've got an art institute and 
and you know, there's other schools that have like design programs and such. Do you think there's maybe too much talent here and not enough work? Well, clearly there's not enough work is what you just said, but do you think there's like too much talent here? No, I don't think, I mean, I think it's a lot of talent, but I, st- I just think that here's the thing. So my portfolio day, we didn't have any studios come out to our portfolio day. I'm be honest oh. with you. None of them came, but. And what year was this? This is 2018, but they didn't, and I'm not mad at that because if the seniors are not putting out work that's good enough, like the years before, why would you, you know, why would you waste your time? So I did my due diligence on my own. Like I said, I branded myself. I was like, look, man, here's my portfolio. Boom. As a, I think I was a a junior. I got paid $6,000 to do a 30 second commercial for a client. This is, I mean, I'm still in school. And working full time and running Leonard Studios LLC with the NFL players doing that stuff. And that was the best thing. And that's just from social media. Me posting artwork, you know, $6,000, man. It was easy. It took a while because I, I it was frame by frame animation. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it is a lot of talent here. I still think it's kind of clicked up. I still think it's kind of clicked up with the whole SCAD and Art Institute thing. I do think it's two different monsters. And that's fine. That's fine. I'm all about being fair, but I do believe like I do believe certain studios will look out for their friends and their guys. Yeah, that's unfortunate, but it's it's life, right? You know. Well, I mean, you know, that's that same thing happens too. Unfortunately, in the design industry, that whole pipeline between companies and schools, and like if you didn't go to that school, then you don't get in. Like, like I've been in the design industry for a long time, but I didn't go to design school. You know, mm. I went to I went to Morehouse here in Atlanta, majored nice. in math. Like I have no I have no formal wow. design background at all. Everything has been self taught, and luckily the design industry is is lean in that way, and that you can make a living without having actually like gotten like a degree of some sort in the field. You know, but there are opportunities I know that I've been shut out from because I didn't go to design school, and I've heard it <laughs> like yeah. explicitly. I'll give you another example. I went to, I, uh, not I went to, I had a job at AT&T. This was in 2000. Actually, this might've been about the time you first came to Atlanta. This was in 2006. And I got a job at AT&T in Midtown at the, mm-hmm. you know, the big, tall AT&T. Yeah, tower. And uh, everybody that was on the design team went to Art Institute of Atlanta. They were graduates, friends, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And I was the only one there that did not go to Art Institute. And I remember that first day I'm like doing a tour and everyone's, you know, Hey, what's your name? Blah, blah, blah. You know, did you go to Art Institute? Like that was the first question. Not where did you go to school? Where did you go to yeah. Art Institute? Or when did you graduate from Art Institute? I said, no, yeah. no, no. I went to, I went to Morehouse College. Oh, where's that? Oh, oh wow. I mean, well, like if you look out the window, <laughs> right, right. See, it's right there. see that green roof way off in the distance? That's Morehouse. Wow. It's, it's here. So I get that. I totally understand that thing. But wow, I didn't know it was still so pervasive. That sucks. It's tough, man. And you know what's crazy? I got a uh, I got a couple friends that work at the CNN Center. So I got a good buddy of mine that he's up there and he always sends me stuff. He's like, man, you can do this way better. Like, yeah, I could. And he's like, man, look, send me your resume. I'm going to do this. Boom, I'm going to drop it off. And we've done that like three times. Nothing. Yeah. One thing I do think, I think I'm put here. Actually, I know I'm put here to create this cartoon and do this Teen Supreme stuff. And I believe that's why I keep getting like shut out as far as Atlanta goes with animation here. Yeah. Mm. So it uh, kind of gives me a little more motivation yeah. to just strictly grind on Team Supreme. Like I said, I'm, I'm, we got the book coming with some crazy technology attached to that. Just came from the uh, Children's Hospital 
of Atlanta yesterday. So we got big partnership with them. I went and spoke at Novartis, which is a big pharmaceutical company in New Jersey. So they pay me. I went out there to speak to at the Disability Mentoring Day, had a blast. So it's, it's a lot of outside stuff that I get more, uh, you know, I like a lot more anyway, you know, mm-hmm. as it pertains to Team Supreme. Like, it's, it's, it's starting to really move. Let's talk so. about Team Supreme then. Because for folks that may not know or may not have heard of Team Supreme, can you just tell a little bit about what it is? Yeah. So Team Supreme is a cartoon that I'm creating about a group of kids who have a disability, but the disability is their superpower. So imagine like like a Marvel, but all of the characters are inclusive. So I have a character that has spina bifida, I have an amputee, I have a deaf character, my main character has autism, I have a deaf character, blind, sickle cell. So basically, I wanted to create a whole universe of these inclusive characters, uh, you know, every type of disability, uh, diabetes, anything. And all these characters would be the forefront instead of, you know, kind of hidden in the background. So and that's kind of where Team Supreme came from. I was like, man, you know what? For me, being a, a person of color and growing up, you didn't see a lot of characters that look like us. I was like, man, not only am I going to make a character that looks like me, I'm going to have I'm going to give them a disability and make this a, a cartoon about disability and special needs because I know everybody in the world knows somebody or has a family member. This will be so big that it'll touch so many souls and, you know, not only just motivate kids, but it'll help the parents. And so that's what it's about. So I'm, I'm actually still developing it. I have Lena Waith and Hillman grad on board as producers and, uh, nice. and Jason Weaver. So everybody knows Jason Weaver from from Lion King. He's, he plays Simba. Uh, he's in ATL. Big mentor of mine. Great friend. Shout out Jason Weaver. Shout out Lena and Rishi. I have a, a writer that writes for the show Quantico. So shout out to Giselle. And she's actually partially deaf. So super dope. And I'm super excited about the, uh, the next steps, which is us pitching to a bunch of studios, you know, Disney, Nickelodeon, Netflix. So we're moving forward. Nice. When I told people that I was interviewing you, the main question they asked me is like, when is Team Supreme coming out? Yes. When is it getting animated? When is it coming out? Can you can you tell folks about the development cycle yes. when it comes to animated works? Yes, I can. That's a great question because it is, you know, I, it, it, it gets frustrating and I, and I get it because this is, man, I think I started touching on Team Supreme around 2014, kind of teased it. And, and it went viral. Even that next year, they're like, man, when when is it going to be available? When is it going to be out? And I remember I was in two car accidents, back-to-back days when I was at the Art Institute. First one, I was at a red light and a car just totaled my car from the back. I was stopped. So I had to get five epidurals. So as I'm home, I have my Cintiq on the bed and I'm drawing. So what I did, I animated like a little one-minute clip. This is old, old. And that's what you're seeing in the little previews and that's why uh you know all the characters look totally different because i was still developing i was learning some stuff i was still learning how to animate so i was playing around with it so the development process is long in itself you know that can take a year or two and then you're talking about a cartoon like mine that's so 
important and, and serious that you don't want to step on any toes. So it's my cartoons taking longer to make and create and develop because I have to make sure everything is 100% true to life and, you know, it's correct. The words that we use are true and the, the proper, you know, the proper words. So we we have to consult with people that have a disability and specific disabilities to our characters. You know, that's another thing. So I mean, you're talking to doctors and nurses and medical field industry people and so it's a lot of studying and stuff like that and then you have to get the cartoon picked up and that could take another year or another two years just doing the uh the contract going back and forth with contracts and stuff so it's a lot but my team is really excited about the next step which is the pitching part of the process so we're really close yeah we're really close to getting it picked up and uh, i'm really excited about it yeah it's, it's a long process it's a long process and but i think for this show, I think people will appreciate the length of this process and, and see how important it is because we're going to get everything right. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about it. But I apologize for the, the wait. So just bear with me if you can. I didn't know UPS was going to be coming this late. <laughs> I've been waiting around all day for him. Yeah. So what, what was the last thing you were saying just now? I was saying that <laughs> I just, uh, you know, I apologize for the wait. But, you know, with a, with a cartoon like mine, everything has to be like 100% correct, and I want to make sure it's done right. And I, I was saying how I think people will appreciate that we took this extra time to really consult with all of these different people, disabilities or not, just, you know, just making sure we're getting everything right. It's interesting you mentioned that it's sort of changed over time. Is that kind of a, a worry when it comes to the development process that you started out with things looking one way and then like maybe your personal style changes over the years bit by bit? Yeah. And what happens is, uh, I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not worried. It's that's just the development stage. You know, you see, you start off with some trash character designs and I have a ton, you know, if I, you know, once I put out the team Supreme, the art of team Supreme, you'll see all these bad designs and these bad character models. And, you know, I had at the original, I had like these kids, they were like super young, like kindergarten young, real cute and big heads and, but as I kept getting better with the drawing, you know, more anatomy and stuff like that, started mm-hmm. studying some more stuff, started to get better and kind of just found my style that I really wanted to stick with with this thing. So one thing that I was tired of seeing is like the same look for cartoons and they kind of joke around. They, I forgot what they call like that cow arts, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, where you can you just straight arms, the hand, you know, real simple. But I get it. You know, that's that's. Kids don't care as long as the writing is dope and it's colorful and fun, and I get it. But hopefully we won't have to do that for this one because my characters, they got meat on their bones and, you know, the fingers and the joints and all of that. But, yeah, where, where I have the characters at now is where where I'm happy. So, Gotcha. As folks who know who have listened to this show for a while, I've personally had, like, my own, I guess you could say, like, a graphic novel idea that I've had for a long time. And I've been like, oh, I'd really need to find an illustrator, you know, collaborate with because I could, I want to write the characters and I've come up with the characters, but it's just a matter of like, oh, well, who do I find that can, you know, do the designs or something like that. Right. When it comes to that kind of process, because you're the artist and like, how long did it take you to find a writer to be able to kind of get everything together with Team Supreme? Well, I've already, I mean, a lot of this stuff was done by me in the beginning like we had a whole so what was team supreme was supposed to be a short film i was going to do a short film and that's why i was trying to raise the money 
so I wouldn't have to work for a year. I was just going to animate the whole short film, you know, eight minutes by myself, backgrounds, everything, storyboard. I was going to do it all by myself. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't raise enough money with the, uh, the Indiegogo campaign. So I think I ended up raising like 6000 which I'm super thankful for. You know, I'm real grateful for that. But that's, yeah, we had to go a different, a different route. That's kind of where we have right now. Yeah. So just yeah. so folks know, like the animation, all of that, it takes time. It's, yeah. It's yeah. not as simple as, as I wouldn't say as simple as one might think. I don't know how simple they think it might be, but I right. guess maybe because we see so much animation now these days, I feel like we see much more animation now than we did like when we were kids. Absolutely. Yeah. It's Between like television I- and especially now with like feature films and stuff. Animation yes. is, is big now. It's big right now. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So frame by frame animation was what I was going to do. So that commercial I was telling you about the 30 second commercial mm-hmm. just for 30 seconds, it took me like three months, but wow. that's me. That's me still working full time and going to school for just kind of doing it whenever I could on a, uh, after, you know, a weekend or so like that. But that was the whole process. You know, I had to do tons of character design had to do character turnarounds. So when you're talking about like a book or something like that, it's still, you know, it's still difficult to do. And then a lot of people don't realize how expensive this stuff can get. Some people charge by the hour. Some people charge like, hey, if you want this, this is going to be a flat rate, 1200 or whatever they charge. I don't know. I think as somebody, like if you have your book, as long as everything is in detail, and I mean, you save a lot of, a lot of money because you're going to save the artist some time. You know, I get a lot of people, I need a logo. Well, what do you want? Ah, man, I'm not even sure. Yeah. Well, you're going to spend extra money because I'm going to have to do extra designs for you. Yeah. So I, what I usually do, hey, sketch something out. I don't care if it's stick figures. Sketch something out just so I'll know where it's, where it's at in your mind. And then I'll work around that. I'll hook it up for you. And that, that usually saves them a little bit of time. But as far as like book illustration, I've never done one for a client just because I am i don't know. Like if it's a serious client and they and they really understand the process and how how the money and stuff works and time and all of that then i may think about it but most of them want 40 uh, what is it, 34 pages for you know 500 dollars. it's not it, the, the work is not worth the time put into it because it is a lot you're talking about backgrounds and painting and coloring and character designs for that as well and so this depends on the artist i think nice okay let's kind of switch gears a little bit we've talked a lot <laughs> about team supreme we've talked a lot about just your story in general. I'm curious to know at this point where you're at right now, are you satisfied creatively? I am. Yeah, I'm, I'm very satisfied. For me, like I said, just being out of school for, for two years, I've done probably more than a lot of people. So I'm, I'm so grateful for that because I know if I was in Biloxi, I wouldn't, you know, Team Supreme still probably would have popped off, but I don't know. I don't even know if I would have made it happen if I was out there. You know what I mean? So where I'm at right now, I'm, I'm really grateful, man. It's pretty dope. I have a lot of celebrity support behind it. So yeah, I'm I'm very I'm happy where I'm at. What keeps you uh motivated and inspired these days? Definitely my daughter keeps me motivated. Other artists keep me inspired. Seeing these kids, especially yesterday at, at children's hospital, I mean stuff like that is dope to me, man. I did not even want to leave. Yeah. And I was, I met a little kid up there. A little kid had his fire red hair and he had fibrosis i think he had and he came up with this these these little characters and he was telling me yeah you know i come up with these ideas for villains and good guys and bad guys i mean a little young kid man he might have been seven 
And his just his his imagination was so dope. And as they're taking me on a tour of these places, they they kind of showed me this other little kid that he drew two two different pictures. And one was him as a uh, like a regular kid, and he had sickle cell, little, little light skinned kid. And then on the other side, it was him as a superhero. And I was like, that's that's what Team Supreme is, man. That's exactly why I'm doing this because mm-hmm. you guys do have superpowers. So seeing stuff like that, super inspiring, super motivational. Even when I seen. Um, if you guys are not familiar with Shaquem Griffin, he's the one from went to uh, I think I know he's from Florida, but he has he's an amputee, so he he's got uh he's a linebacker and he plays ball with like half an arm. And I remember he was in the uh, the combine and they were kind of you know they really doubted him. You know he's not wasn't that good and this and that. And, and then this dude ran a four three forty at like two hundred and thirty pounds was unbelievable to me. And to see that with just one arm, like how in the world? Because if people don't four three forty, that's that's like Olympic speed. And if you're two hundred thirty pounds running that fast, superpower, you know. So stuff like that, man, is it, really motivational to me and very inspiring. Seeing a dude doing climbing a rock wall with attached to his wheelchair, like he had his seatbelt on the wheelchair and he pulled the whole thing up wow. on the rock wall. It's man, crazy, crazy stuff. So I'm thinking in my mind, I'm like, why hasn't anybody done anything like this? And my thing, I think it was out of fear, you know, oh, if if they don't do it right, they're going to tear, they're going to rip you apart, you know, but that's why I'm here, man. This is my project. I'm going to make it happen. Where do you think your life would have gone if you weren't doing animation? Is that if my knee wasn't messed up? (laughs) Well, yeah. (laughs) So you understand to being an athlete then, basically. Yeah, I would have definitely, yeah, I definitely would have played pro baseball and pro football for sure. So like I said, my, my, uh. My whole family is very athletic. My dad was a top running back coming out of Texas, blew his knee out. So I got, uh, you know, I got a cousin Ray Butler that played for the Colts. Ike Forte, my uncle, he played for the Redskins and the Patriots. I got a couple cousins at Southern Miss right now. I got one in high school that just graduated, one stinks. So he's going to be going pro. I think he's like 6'4", 350. So, I mean, it's athletes are here. So, yeah, I would, I would definitely be professional athlete somehow. Oh, and then in 2005, Hurricane Katrina came, but I was training as a boxer for the 2008 Olympics. Okay. But Hurricane Katrina messed me up, you know, so I had to get evacuated out here and all this stuff. So it kind of, it was a mess. And in 2008, my best friend got murdered. So it kind of really, so that's uh-huh. more motivation and more, yeah, he was robbed and murdered in 2008. So that, that really motivated me and kind of inspired me to keep going. And matter of fact, Brent is the main character. He's the dad in my cartoon. That's that big dude you see. Mm-hmm. So everybody thinks that's me. That's not me. That's my best friend. So that's me keeping Brent Jackson's name alive. Good dude. Had a great heart. And he was real swole. Big, <laughs> big <laughs> dude, man. So that's just me keeping him alive. And that's how he was. He loved people and loved kids. But yeah, that's where I get all my inspiration from, man, and motivation. What advice has kind of stuck with you the longest? It can be like life advice, career advice. Anything like that? Life advice, always stay humble. That's from my dad. And that's a big, he's a big inspiration to me. I grew up poor in Texas, retired in the Air Force as a chief. He got three master's degrees, bachelor's degree. So him, he always gives me like just life tips, man. You know, hey, whenever you make it to the top, don't forget to send the elevator back down. You know, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So it stays with me. Let's see, career advice? Yeah, I mean, definitely just staying humble, you know? You gotta, I was told, like, animation studios and the industry doesn't like those real shy people, especially at an animation studio, you know? They want to have fun in there. And when I remember going to Nickelodeon, 
And first thing I noticed, like everything was bright, colorful. Everybody was smiling. It was amazing to me. And then I went to Disney and they had like puppies in each, you know, the people could bring their dogs to work and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it was like they want they want people with these personalities that fit. But man, I, I've gotten so many good career advices. Wow. That's tough right off the top, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's tough. I'd have to think about it a little bit more, but I've heard okay. a, ton, a ton of good ones. That's a great question. Where do you see yourself in the next five years? I know Team Supreme is still in production right now, but like we're in the future now. Like it's 2020. Like yeah. come 2025. What billionaire. Is, what, what is Joshua? Okay. What's Joshua Leonard working on? What's he doing? He's billionaire. No, I say that to say this. Money comes and goes. I've never really been... You obviously have to have money to survive. But like I said, that's where the being homeless comes in at. Like I appreciate the little things. So money with a billion dollars, I'm all about helping people. So that's where the foundation and stuff come in at. You know, the money's gonna come, especially with Team Supreme and what I do, speaking to students and kids and all of that stuff. I'm gonna create the the STEAM program where we do the field trips, I want the scholarships, all of that type of stuff. But yeah, five years from now, man, Team Supreme is probably going to be starting to work on a live action. I mean, it's going to be major, man. This this is a major project, and uh, it's it's limitless, really. Like it really is. But I just see I just see Team Supreme really taking off real heavy, worldwide household name. I mean, worldwide. You know, I get emails from Africa, Australia. Just people thanking me for creating this for their son or their, you know, their relative that has, you know, any, any type of disability. So super dope. I'm really excited about the next five years. Nice. Well, just to kind of, you know, wrap things up here, where can our audience find out more about you and your work and everything online? My website where they can find all the Team Supreme stuff is LeonardStudios.com. And that's L-E-O-N-A-R-D studios s-t-u-d-i-o-s dot com and then social media is i'm joshua leonard and it's just i m j-o-s-h-u-a l-e-o-n-a-r-d there's two joshua leonards out there there's the the one that you know there's the white guy that does uh he did the blair witch project so that's not me okay you know a lot of people <laughs> and this is on twitter people, or Instagram this is on all, all of them yeah all okay. of them yeah it's the same as a matter of fact, if you add the, uh, if you add that on Instagram, my Instagram has all of my sites on it, so you'll be able to find the Team Supreme page, the Leonard Studios page, all of that, the website, email, anything. So I also mentor kids or anybody, you know, if if you if you got questions and stuff, I got the email on there. I'm always open to give back and help people. So that's about it, man. And, and my main picture is me in a, a suit. I love wearing tailored suits, so you'll you'll see. All right. Sounds good. Well, Joshua Leonard, I want to thank you just so much for for coming on the show. One, I mean, for sharing your story. I mean, I had heard about Team Supreme a while ago and I had seen the the viral clips and everything and I was like, "Oh, this is this is pretty dope." But I mean, to hear your story and to hear it in your own words to talk about how you managed to overcome not just, you know, setbacks that have happened in life to you physically and professionally, but just like even the emotional setbacks because sometimes you know especially in this industry where there's not a lot of people who look like us there's not a lot of sort of role models or people that we can look to for things still having the perseverance to move forward and to succeed and to not only do that but just bring people up 
with you as well to inspire the next generation, I think is really, really awesome. So thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, man. I appreciate it. A lot of fun. Big, big thanks to Joshua Leonard. And of course, thanks to you for listening. You can find out more about Joshua and his work through the links in the show notes at revisionpath.com. And of course, thanks to our sponsors for this episode, Facebook Design and Abstract. Facebook Design is a proud sponsor of Revision Path. To learn more about how the Facebook design community is designing for human needs at unprecedented scale, please visit facebook.design. This episode is also brought to you by Abstract, design workflow management for modern design teams. Spend less time searching for design files and tracking down feedback, and spend more time focusing on innovation and collaboration. Like a glitch but for designers, Abstract is your team's version control source of truth for design work. With Abstract, you can version sketch design files, present work, request reviews, collect feedback, and give developers direct access to all specs all from one place. Sign your team up for a free 14-day trial today by heading over to www.abstract.com. Revision Path is brought to you by Lunch, a multidisciplinary creative studio in Atlanta, Georgia. Looking for some creative consulting for your next project? Then let's do lunch. Visit us at yepitslunch.com. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. This podcast is created, hosted, and produced by me, Maurice Cherry with engineering and editing by R.J. Basilio. Our intro voiceover is by Music Man Dre, with intro and outro music by Yellow Speaker. Our transcripts are provided by Glitch. So what did you think of this episode? Hit us up on Twitter or Instagram and let us know, or even better, leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. It only takes a few minutes to do. It really helps spread word about the show everywhere, and I'll even read your review right here on the show. As always, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.